Welcome to the Men's Leadership Network podcast, where each month we're exploring what it means to be godly leaders in our homes, workplaces, and communities. Before we get into today's content, I want to take a moment to invite you to a special men's event. The Versus Conference is Thursday, September 30th at Rolling Hills Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee. This is a night for you to come and enjoy some amazing competition-style barbecue, enjoy fellowship with other guys, laugh along with comedian Jeff Allen, and hear words of encouragement from former Nashville Predator Captain Mike Fisher, Lifeway President and CEO Ben Mandrell, and our very own Pastor Jeff Simmons. This is a great event for men at every stage of their spiritual journey, so invite the guys in your life to join you. You can purchase your ticket now for just $10 at versusconference.com. In today's podcast, we're hitting on several difficult topics like anxiety, depression, and loneliness. They're topics we as men often avoid. It's much easier to simply push through and try harder instead of acknowledging our struggles and being vulnerable. And that's what today's guest, Don Schleicher, was used to doing. For this successful outdoorsman, vulnerability did not come naturally. He maintained a busy schedule, filling his work days and even his off days with activities, family outings, and more, always pressing forward, not realizing that underneath the surface, anxiety and depression were taking root affecting him in a deep way. Yet, through this interview, you'll witness a transformation in Don as he began to open up and be transparent with others, especially with those in his Christian community. You'll hear a man who's not afraid to share the difficulties he's faced and to share how Jesus has worked in his life to help him become the man he is today. And now, here's Don and Pastor Jeff. Hey guys, welcome to the Men's Leadership Network podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining in today. And man, God is at work. And today we're talking about changed lives. And I love this topic. And I'm sitting here with Don Schleicher. He is an amazing man and uh, just an incredible story, what God's done in his life. And you're going to be challenged and encouraged today. So Don, welcome to the program. So glad you're on with us today. Thanks for having me. That's an amazing man, man. I'll do my best to... (laughs) Stand up to that introduction. Thank you. Uh, you're living up to it, brother. Hey, tell us about your family. Tell us a little bit about your family and even your career. Okay. I, I am a Nashville native. I'm a little bit uh, on the rare side these days. And um, I grew up over in Donaldson, which is near the airport for yeah. people that are not from Nashville. Uh, my dad worked for a new bank called Third National Bank. And my mother was a school teacher, and I was the youngest of three. I went to McGavick High School, and then I went to University of Alabama. And uh, while I was in Bama, I met this uh, girl named Melissa, and I've been with her for 30-plus years. And we have one daughter, Hunter, who is 28. Mm, that's awesome. So, that's awesome. Um, I am in a different phase at 53 years old right now. Uh, I worked for a company in sales and in January, uh, post-COVID, just because of a number of reasons, and I was blessed to be able to make this decision, and the company and I made the decision together, which is I am uh, kind of retired in a way, although we still have five businesses in Brentwood, and we have uh, a lot of employees, and I'm staying busy, but I'm not working for a company anymore. Yeah. Working for myself. I, I work for Melissa, let's just face it. <laughs> I was gonna say you're not really retired. You got all these businesses and all these things that you're doing in the city, and it's pretty amazing. So, hey, tell us you've got some pretty incredible experiences in your life. Give us some highlights. Some of the things that you're like proud of, or some things you've done. You know, some things that I'm kind of proud of would be that I'm an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. You know, I completed that with uh, Troop Thirty and Donaldson. The, uh, my church at that time was Andrew Price Methodist, so mm-hmm. that was an amazing experience, and it led to uh, lots of. Uh, love that I have for outdoors, for fishing, as you know, yeah. <clears throat> um, hiking, backpacking. If I'm outside, I'm happy. And that's where I feel most connected to uh, my faith. Mm. 
Well, you have been a professional fishing guide too, and you've kind of fished all over. Give us any highlights from the, from your fishing. Yeah, I I've got um my when I started dating Melissa, her grandfather was one of the co-hosts on a show uh, that was on Channel Eight on the public network, which was called the Tennessee Outdoorsman, and the Tennessee Outdoorsman was one of the longest running syndicated outdoor shows. It was on the air over 30 years. Uh And of course, I grew up watching the Tennessee Outdoorsman. It aired on Thursday nights and on Saturdays. So I already knew who her grandfather was. And when she told me who her grandfather was, uh, you know, the next question I asked her was, uh, can we get married? (laughs) (laughs) Because he he was an awesome guy and he loved the outdoors. And because uh, I lost my dad at a young-ish age, Mm. you know, he became that uh, male figure that I enjoyed and he was super cool and he was a great fisherman and he fished for everything and he hunted and he, you know, did dove hunts and he went to Canada on hunting. And I just really uh, idolized him. And we bought our first home in Creve Hall right next door to them, Mm. which is my wife's grandparents, which was amazing. And it ended up being a huge blessing for uh, my daughter Hunter because she grew up right next to the great grandparents and they spent tons of time with her. So Uh those were uh, amazing blessings uh, for me. We also were a big part of Andrew Price Methodist, and we would go, you know, to, to a church on Wednesday nights for fellowship dinner and Sundays and vacation Bible school and church camp in the summer, and we, you know, stayed busy. And I would say I grew up a very middle class, mm-hmm. I think, and it, it was good and wholesome, and it was not uh, nearly as stressful as things are today for I was I think I came up and you and I are the same age I think mm-hmm. we grew up at a pretty sweet time mm-hmm. I agree I agree and I mean you went on to become a professional fishing guide you've taken all the country music stars fishing and you know you've you've done some amazing things on but talk about just for a minute because you mentioned about your dad dying at a young age and how did that impact you well I don't think at 13 years old I really was able to grasp the uh you know, the gravity of my dad's situation and my family's situation. But as I've gotten older and I've able to process and understand more and through my experience with uh, some anxiety and depression, you know, recently, I think that I retrospectively can look back and, you know, understand and kind of put some of these pieces of the puzzle together, uh, starting with, you know, my dad was a prisoner of war Mm. in World War II. And he uh, he was a uh, tail gunner in a flying fortress they collided with another American plane that was going down. So two planes went down, 10 guys in each plane. And my dad was the only survivor of those two planes that actually made it back to the U S. So he carried that and, you know, survivor's guilt, uh, war trauma, you know, those things, whether I really knew it or not, they affected me from time I was young Mm. and, um, he got his master's degree. He uh, had a successful career as a vice president at Third National Bank, which is people know now as SunTrust Bank, mm. and he was highly respected in the community. But uh, those dark burdens and combination that with um, addiction issues, you know, led to what I would say a little bit of unhealthy environment for um, my young life mm. uh, growing up. Uh, but luckily, I've been able to uh, somewhat overcome. I think I was ignorantly blissful a little bit until about 50 years old when I really needed to, um, you know, get some therapy and talk about things like that. And, you know, my faith 
in my men's group and my church mm-hmm. and my family all uh, rallied behind me mm-hmm. and I was able to uh, understand some of you know some of that mm-hmm. and my dad's war trauma became a little bit of my family's trauma mm-hmm. but I've been blessed and I've lived a lot of lifetimes and I've been able to uh, enjoy and do things that would be unimaginable to, I think, uh, most people. I, I, I tell stories sometimes to people that just met me or somebody that doesn't know me well, and I think to myself when I'm telling story, like, this person doesn't believe what I'm telling them. <laughs> <laughs> they like, this can't be true, like, yeah. this story can't be true, and that story, and you live to tell about it. You know, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, some of them were mm-hmm. uh, good and amazing, and I'm in a really, really good chapter right now, but... Uh, I also have some chapters that were not good and amazing, but they were learning experiences, and I, I, I lived through it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm still here, and, and I'm thankful. I'm just thankful for you, and I'm thankful for, you know, the men's group and this mm-hmm. church, and, you know, my faith has carried me, and it's been, you know, my best medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through some multiple doctors and trying to understand my anxiety in 2018, which you, you know, walked with through with me. Mm. And I was trying to uh, understand it. And I tried to really push and put the blame that I was having heart problems and I was having, um, you know, vision problems. And I was having, you know, everything in the world except emotional because I didn't want to go there because mm. I had been, uh, pushing that to back of my mind for a long, long time. And if you had told me in 2017 that you had anxiety or somebody in your family had anxiety, I would not really have been that sympathetic to that. Um, you, you, you don't know how a Ritz cracker tastes until you eat one. So that was a very tough and scary uh, time in my life, but it was uh, for a reason. And I think that uh, there was some darkness in place. And I think that, you know, I was being tested. I don't think that uh, the devil or evil spirits or bad in the world or bad in the universe liked the fact that I was getting close in my faith and that I was getting into the Bible and that I was getting uh, my faith and my Christianity strong. And I think that, that those forces were working against me. And I really never acknowledged forces of good and evil but they are real and uh, I have persevered through these chapters of my life but I have to say the anxiety and depression of 2018 probably was one of the toughest chapters that was a mountain to climb and here I am I'm doing a podcast so man I've made it in the world (laughs) you have come a long way my brother I mean it's that was a scary time uh and I remember walking with you through that um Talk about that. What did you learn in that time? What What was the things that you felt like God taught you in the middle of that battle with anxiety? Some of the big takeaways of my healing process, uh, which was multifaceted. I did uh, some inpatient therapy. I did some outpatient therapy. I did uh, exercise. I, I read every possible publication that you could ever get your hands on to learn everything about my condition. I was super guilty about diagnosing myself and Googling my symptoms, which is kind of unhealthy in a way, but I was determined to uh, push through. I was determined. I I have persevered through tough things previously, so I was determined that I was going to get better and I was going to learn. So 
some of the takeaways, Jeff, on that whole experience was uh, I learned one big one, which was uh, being busy is a medicator. Mm. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it might be sex. Mm. Uh, some people get depressed and lay in bed and won't get out of bed. Some people eat too much. You know, they just get depressed and they got to eat, eat, eat. I'm a bit of an emotional eater myself. But the, the takeaway for me as I went through this process of healing and learning my condition at the time, which was my medicator and the, uh, something that I went to to keep from dealing with some emotional issues from, you know, my youth was uh, staying really busy. And I did that, honestly, at, a, I, I would say, uh, a pretty high level. You know, it didn't matter if it was fishing. It didn't matter if it was drugs. Mm. It didn't matter if it was throwing a party or doing a crab and shrimp bowl or something else that I really love to do is cook. When I um, when I do something, I do it pretty big. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of go big or go home, yeah. and that's kind of been my mantra, and that's been part of the successes that I've had, but it also is a little bit of a detriment, mm. and because I was spending a lot of time in, I guess what you would say, the nines and tens are like way high, like an almost in a manic state. Mm -hmm. And I did, I never really went down to the slow or low or depressed. Like depression can not, doesn't always mean you're in a corner with your head in your hands. Mm -hmm. Depression can also manifest itself like it did with me, which was I'm going to ignore it and I'm going to plow through this and I'm going to be tough and I'm going to be busy and I'm not going to deal with this. And I'm going to go so hard that all I do is just go, go, go. And then when I'm so tired, I sleep mm -hmm. And then I get up and I go, go, go again. And I think being calm, quiet, and peaceful, and re relaxing, reading the Bible verse, mm -hmm. meditation, mm -hmm. these are the things that helped me find myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. What was, was there a trigger? Because you were successful, you had everything going on from the outside. I mean, you know, nobody would have ever known. I mean, you were you know, you're great at everything you do. You're, you know, great businessman, great family. Well, was there a trigger or something that brought all this on in 2017, 2018? Um, you know, I think there kind of was. I, I went on a hunting trip mm. and um, I was hunting with a 20 year old mm. and I'm 50 and he's 20 and uh, we're hunting hard and we're really literally chasing turkeys through the woods of Christian County, Kentucky and I was loving every minute of it, and I uh, have not spent my lifetime hunting, so it was, it was a new chapter for me, and I was learning about turkeys and how to call turkeys, and, you know, once again, I was in the outdoors, I was in the woods, I was happy, but I overdid it completely, and I had to get back to Nashville because of the dogs, and I left the Nashville that morning at 2 a.m. I hunted all day and was getting back around 10 p.m. It's a long day, and it was hot. It was exceptionally hot that day, and I uh, got a little dehydrated. And I got home, and I wasn't feeling great, and I made some pasta, and I ate real fast and hurried because I couldn't wait to lay down and get some sleep because I was so tired. And when I went to uh, lay down, I got really dizzy, and I passed out. Mm. And my face hit the carpet, and when my face hit the carpet, uh, something happened. Like, death, I had never lost consciousness before, and that's in, you know, 
falling off ladders and football injuries and fist fighting and I've been hitting the head more times than anybody should be. And, mm-hmm. You know, this was a new thing. I was literally losing and things were going black and I was losing consciousness. My face was on the ground and I could do nothing about it. And I was losing control and it terrified me. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that that was a trigger uh, for what came, even though it, it, it's like a post-traumatic stress type yeah. trigger. You know, I, I've understood and I've heard a lot of, soldiers in war get PTSD without firing a shot. And you kind of think, well, how could that be? Well, the truth is they're so scared, right? Mm -hmm. And that was my case. Think of me laying on the floor. My face is on the carpet. I'm terrified what's happening to me, and I can't control this situation. And it kind of comes back to that thing I spoke of, you know, a minute ago, Mm -hmm. which is letting life happen and understanding that you're not in control and that God's in control. Mm -hmm. These things were all literally coming to me and happening in real time and i panicked Mm. hey tell me when did jesus become real to you you know being raised in church and you know this because of my recent baptism Mm -hmm. i was baptized as a child Uh, it must have been great because i don't remember it (laughs) (laughs) they tell me i did it um and then i did it again in um like church summer camp. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I did it in church summer camp because the girl was a leader, I thought she was really, really hot. <laughs> so I was kind of like, man, I wanted her to baptize me. And I didn't do it uh, because it was my choice, and I didn't do it because, you know, it was my discretion, and this was a decision and a choice that I made. That's what made this recent baptism so different mm-hmm. for me because I was uh, developing my real relationship with the Lord. I was, you know, at a new place. I had experienced uh, a terrifying 2018, which, you know, our small group and me Mm. coming to church Mm. had started before that. Mm. And pretty soon thereafter that happened. So that's pretty profound Mm. that um, all this was happening at once. And I'm so thankful for my, you know, Bible and for my (laughs) family and for my men's group because I needed all the weapons. I, I needed them all to get me through that. And um, my faith and my Bible is a, is my shield and my tool, mm-hmm. you know, it, and it, it, it takes me where I need to be and it takes me, uh, it gives me power over dark and evil and over anxiety and depression and it gives me understanding of uh what matters and what i learned through this experience that i've just told you about Mm -hmm. is uh i am weak Mm -hmm. and he's strong Mm -hmm. and i and i need him and i need my faith and i need my brothers Mm -hmm. and i am vulnerable and i'm faulted and I'm not the tough guy. Mm. I, I I need my faith, and I need uh, His Word, and maybe the world needs Him and His Word maybe now more than ever. Mm-hmm. So that's my takeaway. Amen. Hey, talk about your your baptism recently. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> you know, t- tell us about that experience. It was awesome. <laughs> it really it was uh, so powerful. Um, People showed 
and came from long distances that I didn't know were coming and didn't expect. Uh, the families and the group and the people, the setting. And, and you remember this was uh, our third attempt <laughs> at doing this because of uh, COVID yeah. and because of weather. I think it just rained that one time we were going to do it on that Friday, and it rained buckets, and we made the right decision. So everything was right and well for my baptism, and it just felt good on every level. Uh, I'll never forget us in a group praying together before, and uh, my family, who, you know, had never seen me in this chapter, really, uh, was very touched, and and they told me, they're like, that was so awesome, and... uh, the prayer that was said, the people that were around me, the hands on me, you know, I just felt the, a light and I felt a joy and I felt uh, everything was good in what I was doing and everything was good in my life. And it was, uh, it was awesome. And, and something that you probably don't know is it prompted my wife, Melissa, to come to church with me and your sermon that day was honestly it was kind of written for her it touched her it it, it touched her and uh, melissa's pretty discerning and she's you know just amazing strong and beautiful and all the things and she's more than i deserve and seriously for her to be moved and touched by your sermon a week or two after i was baptized was not magic it was uh, God working. It was working in my life and working in her life, and He worked through you and through your sermon. And uh, it's powerful, man. Like really, really, really powerful and uh, memorable and transforming. Man, praise God! It was so good, <laughs> so so good. And you know the fact that I am here to tell this story and that I have these strong convictions will go back to what I said earlier, which is I go in and I go all the way and I'm all the way in on my faith and it feels good and I need it. Hey, talk about this, Donnie. What about how important is it to have godly men around you in life? Well, having the group of guys around me, and you've heard me say this a lot, I mean, I'm I'm in awe of their strength and their faith and honestly like their knowledge of the bible and the way that they intentionally lead their families and the way that they lead their lives and their faith and how strong they are and their belief that jesus died on the cross and that we're going to heaven and that all the things that you sometimes question because it's hard to put your finger on it these guys have that faith, and that blend that bleeds right over to me. Man, hey, what advice would you give to guys out there who maybe feel like they're in the battle right now? I mean, they feel like, you know, maybe they look successful on the outside, and but man, inside it's just hard. And maybe they're depressed, or things are tough at home with their family, or or maybe they're dealing with some father wounds. What what advice would you give to to men out there who are going through these times? I think you're talking about the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am. It All seems, of us. It seems like it's global. Yeah. And, 
you know. Mm. Um, the analogy that I can give on that, because I've also lived through this, luckily not with myself, but with uh, friends and family, you, you know, an alcoholic cannot be healed or a drug addict cannot be healed until they find their own bottom, right? They got to find it to the bottom because if they're not willing to, you know, either admit or surrender, yeah. you got to surrender, right? At yeah. some point you, you surrender your addiction or you surrender your faith to say, okay, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think I thought when I was younger that I would get older and I would be wiser and I would be stronger and I would have the right things to say in hard moments and that I would be, you know, the things that you think that you will be when you get older, everything that you work for. And and what I, what happened for me was as I got older, I had more questions, mm. particularly about faith yeah. and about heaven yeah. and about hell and about the Bible, and about what does it all mean, and why am I here, and why are we here, and the the normal human experience things that men, women, humans at, that we, you know, ask. And I started to get some clarity uh, when our men's group. You know, when I started going to the men's group, I started addressing some of this and thinking about it and talking about it and understanding it and accepting it mm-hmm. and just building my faith and talking to my sister's children, my nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. they're looking to me for advice and they're looking to me for wisdom and prayer and they they're, they don't know what to do. They're going to lose their mom and you know I'm losing a sister and, uh, my only remaining sister is she's on her deathbed yeah. and I'm trying my best to be strong. And I, I, I am strong because of that book right there. And I'm strong because of the men that are around me and, uh, I'm praying for strength to guide my family through this, uh, difficult and sad time. And make them understand that we will see Kelly again and that she's going to heaven yes, yes. and that uh, we don't have to be sad. We can rejoice in the fact that God chose her now at 56 years old to join him. And you used a term one time, I'll never forget it, which was she'll run into the gates of heaven. And you said that about a friend of yours. And you said, he is now running into the arms of Jesus. And man, I that stuck with me, and it still sticks with me today, which, you know, I'm like, I want to be that guy. I'm not going to live forever. Uh, God obviously has given purpose and given reason and allowed me to continue to live on earth before I go home to him. And I want that time, whether it's a day or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, whatever that looks like, I hope that that time is spent in Him and leading people to Him and leading as a wise grandfather, man, you know, this is what the people that I've met and our group has done for me. 
Amen. Wow. That's awesome. Hey, one last question. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I think I want my legacy to be that um, I was a man of faith. I was uh, uh, interesting and outgoing and kind and um, loving and uh, outstanding in all that I did do and all that I did. And um, I, I still can uh, accomplish things and I can be an influence for young people mm-hmm. and they can see joy and light in me. And um, I think that I would be happy if my legacy was that I made good choices and learned my lessons when I didn't make good choices and I didn't make those bad choices again. Uh, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm so thankful for my friends and my family, and I want to be a leader, and I want to be strong. Uh, Well, Don, I think you're living it out, brother. And I'm just so proud of you and so thankful for you and the way God's using you. And, uh, man, I just want to be thankful for every moment that we have in this life and that we get to do it together. So, um, yeah, let me, let me pray for us right now. And Father God, thank you for Don. I just thank you for him and for Melissa. Thank you for their family. God, I thank you for his life and how it's been changed by your grace and your mercy, Jesus. And thank you for the godly men around him. And just pray for him as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather now. Uh, God, I do pray for his sister Kelly today and lift her up to you and pray for her kids and God, just give her strength. And Lord Jesus, we don't know how long we're here, but Father, I pray we would make the most of every moment, God, and we would live our lives for you. And so let us learn to say no when we need to say no. Let us learn to say yes to the things that are of you and to invest all that you've given us, Father, for your name and your glory. And God, I thank you for my friend. I thank you for every man listening today. I pray for men that are struggling right now with depression or anxiety, Father, that you would be their strength, God, that they would find their hope in you and and their faith would grow strong. And so, Lord, we need you, God. And I thank you, Father, for this podcast and thank you for what you're teaching each one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for having me. Oh, Don, it was great. It was great. Guys, thanks for joining in today. You are amazing. Praying for every one of you who are listening right now. Hey, be watching every Friday for the Man Minute. Be watching next month as we continue to have another podcast for you to continue to grow deeper and stronger in your faith. Hey, as you grow stronger, you're impacting the people around you. And so if we can do anything for you, always know at Men's Leadership Network, we are here as a resource for you to help you grow. You can reach out to us and just know that you're prayed for today. Blessings on you guys. Talk to you next month. God bless. Once again, if you found today's content helpful, we hope you'll subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with others. And be sure to join our mailing list to ensure you never miss an episode as they come out the first Friday of every month. You can do that now and find all our past episodes at mensleadershipnetwork.com.